Matthew chapter 22, um, we have been looking uh, through the 22nd chapter. Uh, last week we looked at the parable of the wedding feast and how God has sent us out to invite the multitudes, the highways and the byways. Uh, we looked a few weeks before about the parable of the wicked vine dressers and the parable of the two sons and really how God was speaking to a group of people that knew better. They knew what God had in store for them, the blessings He had in store for them, and the fact that they refused that. And then last week, He made it clear that because they have refused it, He is going to reach into us, the Gentile people, uh, a people that uh, do not deserve it, could not earn it, but yet God had a love for you and I. And when we come to verse 15 of chapter 22, um, no matter how many commentaries you read about this, It is all about the government. It's all about obeying the government and honoring the government and all of those things, and it is. But really, that's not the heart behind this passage of Scripture. The heart behind this passage of Scripture is the fact that the Pharisees hated Jesus and the Sadducees hated Jesus. And everybody of religious notoriety hated Jesus. And they have begun at this point to work together to destroy Jesus. And so the title of the sermon tonight is, Do You Have a Heart Problem? Do you have a heart problem? Because they had a heart issue. Jesus had called them out on their hypocrisy. Jesus had called them out on their two-facedness. Jesus had called them out on being uh, religious in public and heathens in private. And they hated Him. You see, tonight I want you to know something. The Word of God is sharp and it cuts us and it divides, but it is meant to bring us to a point of repentance. It is not to bring us guilt or shame. Those are things that Satan does. But conviction from the Holy Spirit is God showing you and I that there is something in our life that will destroy us and it's sin. Something that will rob us of the joy and the peace and the blessings that God has for us. And God wants us to turn from that and turn to Him so that we can find forgiveness and hope and joy. All these things that God wants to do in our life. But tonight you and I each have a choice. We can either take the conviction of the Holy Spirit and the preaching of God's Word and refuse it and harden our hearts. Or tonight we can respond in repentance and brokenness. You see, tonight I hope that I show you that there was a major heart problem but yet that heart problem has not stopped. It can be evident in each and every one of us tonight. And so starting in verse 15, if you would stand with me out of a reverence to the reading of God's Word, the Word of God says, Then the Pharisees went, right after He had told them they are not going to be invited, it is going to be the rest of the world. Then the Pharisees went and plotted how they might entangle Him in His task. And they sent to him their disciples with the Herodians, saying, Teacher, we know that you are true, and teach the way of God in truth. Nor do you care about anyone, for you do not regard the person of men. Tell us, therefore, what do you think? Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? But Jesus perceived their wickedness and said... Why do you test me, you hypocrites? Show me the tax money. So they brought him a denarius. 
And he said to them, Whose image and inscription is this? They said to him, Caesar's. And he said to them, Render therefore to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. And when they had heard these words, they marveled and left him and went their way. Pray with me tonight. Father, I thank you for the privilege to be in your house again today. Lord, I thank you that you have been with us um, today throughout the funeral and the traveling and the meal. And Lord, I just pray a special blessing of comfort and peace on the Hunt family. God, I pray tonight that you would anoint the words that I am saying, God, to honor you and you alone. God, give me the boldness to preach your truth unapologetically, but Lord, tenderhearted and compassionate. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would do what only he could do. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I do want to take just a moment before I begin the sermon tonight and thank all of you who worked so tirelessly today uh, to set up the flowers, to take down the flowers, to prepare the meal, uh, to set up tables, and to clean. Uh, it was a full task, and I just want to thank you very, very much. And your heart uh, is always uh, in display on how you live that out. But tonight I want to talk to you because the first thing I want to show you is this. We see their heart problem is serious. We see their heart problem is serious. I've been uh, at a lot of heart casts. Uh, I have been to a lot of open heart surgeries. I have been to a lot of, of emergency rooms with people with chest pains. And I can tell you there is one topic that when you walk into the emergency room and say, I am having chest pains. Whoa, I am having heart pains. I am having tightness in here. They immediately begin to pay attention. If you walk in and say, I have the world's worth hangnail, it's tank a number and sit in the lobby. Right? If you come in there and say, hey, I'm bleeding out of my elbow. Hey, go and sit down. But there's something about the heart that if there is a problem, it could be a big deal. It could be the last big deal you ever face. And so when we talk about the heart and a problem, most of us are, are aware of that. And the physical heart is something that we pay attention to. But here tonight we see that their heart problem is serious. Because in verse 15, they have a response that they could make to God. They could come and say, Lord, we don't want to be left out of the wedding feast. Lord, we don't want to be skipped over in the blessings. We don't want to be removed from your family. But that's not the response they gave. In verse 15 we see, Then the Pharisees went and plotted how they might entangle him in his talk. They immediately go from a place of repentance that God wanted them, a place of humility that God could have rescued them from, to a place of division, to a place of rejection, to a place of rebellion. Now all of us have been there in our lives. All of us have had a, to a boss tell us something we didn't want to hear. All of us have had a family member tell us something we didn't want to hear. All of us have told, had different situations at church or in different areas of our life where we've heard something and immediately it made us angry. And as we were driving home or wherever we were going, we probably started to think about and said, you know what, that probably wasn't that far off base. Or you know what, there's probably some truth to what I was told. And in those moments, usually most of us have an option to make a decision with, you know what, I shouldn't have let that bother me so much. 
Or two, do you know that person thinks they're really something special? We can see it in a marriage when a husband and a wife cannot agree. We see it in a church when people cannot agree. The friction and division and the rebellious spirit that can come out in all of us. And so tonight we see here that they decided that they were not only going to just ignore Jesus, which they could have. They could have said, you know what, I'm not going to mess with this. I'm not going to come to Jesus anymore. I'm just going to avoid His ministry. But they did not. You see, their hatred for Jesus and the hardness of their heart said not only do we want Him to be stopped, we will do whatever it takes to stop Him. And friends, I want to encourage you with this simple thing. There is a season to be discouraged. There is a season that we can all be disgruntled. There is always a season that we can be um, difficult to get along with. But make sure that the difficulties that you and I face in our relationships and in our emotions don't go from just affecting us to destroying other people. We see it all the time in the world that we live. We see it all the time in the politics that we see. You've been successful. You have accumulated wealth. You have accumulated a successful business. That's not fair. You should have to pay an abnormal amount to care for my needs. You say, Jake, you're meddling tonight. That's not near as bad as it's going to be. We do that in our own personal life. We can do it at work when someone gets a promotion that we think we should have had. When someone finds the favor of God that we do not think deserves it. There can be bitterness and unforgiveness that comes into our heart, but there is a difference when it affects us to when we say, well, I'm going to get them back. I'm going to make their life miserable. I'm going to make them miserable at work. I see this in marriage couples. When couples begin to have problems, it's not just that their problems affect them and the other spouse. It is, well, I'll get back at them. I'll show them. If they think they can stay all night and spend their money on however they want, I can buy something more expensive. Or if they can flirt with that girl they dated with in high school on Facebook, I can flirt with two. And you say, Jake, I can't believe people are that way. We all are that way if the Spirit of God is not leading us. And so we see their heart problem here because it goes on in verse 16. And it says, they sent to him their disciples with the Herodians saying, teacher, we know that you are true. And so they begin this plan of division like most religious people. Most religious people know that if they walk into church and in a business meeting and stand up and scream and cuss and throw things and stomp around, that most of us are going to look at them and be like, well, I don't want to be on that guy's team. But friends, we've been in church long enough to know that you get more flies with honey than you do vinegar. And so these false disciples come to Jesus and say, we know you're true. It might sound something like this, Sunday school teacher. Now, teacher, I know you studied a long time for that lesson. And I know you prayed a long time for that Sunday school lesson. And I think you and your wife are some of the best Sunday school teachers we have ever had. But can I give you a piece of advice? At that moment, everything they just told you was a fried bologna. It was something to butter you up so that you could hear what they really were saying. That's what they begin to do here. Teacher, we know that you are true. We know that you teach the way of God in truth. So they say, we know you're a person of integrity. 
They say, we know you teach the Word of God in integrity. And then they say, you do not show partiality to anybody. I don't know if you know that or not, but that's a pretty wonderful praise to be said about someone. The Bible says that a pastor should be a man of integrity. The Bible says the pastor should be a man who handles the Word of God with integrity. And the Bible says that showing partiality is sin. They say all of this to Jesus. For you do not regard the persons of men. Tell us, therefore, what do you think? Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? You see, they didn't care about his integrity. They didn't care about his teaching. They didn't care about how he loved people. They just were trying to butter him up, to weak him up, so that he would let his guard down, and then they asked this question. And friends, this is how Satan works. Don't be afraid of the people who will sometimes tell you the truth and be a little gruff around the ages. Be very wary of the person who sings your praises on Sunday, as one pastor said it, because many times on Monday they are singing their discouragement and disunity. And so tonight I want to challenge you. Where is your heart at in your relationship with the Lord? Where is your heart at in your relationship with your spouse? You see, Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23 says these words. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. When your heart becomes corrupted with sin, when your heart becomes hardened to the things of God, it will eventually overflow. As I like to say, you will have vomit of the mouth. Matthew 6 verse 21 describes it like this. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so the heart is a key point in your walk with God. And you can look right on the outside. You can talk right. You can know the Baptist hymnal from front to back. You can know who wrote your Sunday school literature. You can know who's the president of the Southern Baptist Convention. You can know all of these things and have a heart that is cold and hard and dead to the things of God. And so tonight I want you to know that God shows us their heart problems because there are problems that we can all have. The second thing I want to show you tonight is that Jesus sees their heart problem. They have tried to hide it. They have tried to cover it up. They have tried to put lipstick on a pig. But Jesus sees the heart. Look here in verse 18. But Jesus perceived their wickedness and said, Why do you test me, you hypocrites? Show me the tax money. And today I want you to know that these are one of those moments in Scriptures where we see just how amazing that God is. How amazing the person of Jesus Christ is, the Son of God, fully God, fully man, and how He exercises His authority and wisdom on the world. But friends, we should never convince ourselves that He does not see our heart issues, that we can hide them from Him. Now I want you to know tonight that you can hide your bitterness from me, you can hide your frustration from your spouse. You can hide your heart problems from your neighbors. But friends, Jesus knows your heart. In Proverbs chapter 21, verse 2, because I want you to hear what the Scriptures say, not what Jacob says, Every way of a man is right in his own eyes, 
but the Lord weighs the heart. You see, we tell ourselves that our motives are pure. We tell ourselves that our desires are pure. We tell ourselves that our sins are not as bad as someone else's or our victories are more important than someone else's. But what God does is, I don't care what you've done out here. I don't care what you've shown off. I see your heart. I know when you're tender-hearted to the broken. I know when you're compassionate to those that are struggling. I know when you're worried about giving glory and honor to God and the praises to Him, or you are secretly heaping it up for yourself. In Jeremiah 17, verse 10, the Bible says these words, I, the Lord, search the heart. You see, God doesn't just look at it for a season. The Lord searches every part of it. The parts where you try to hide from Him. The parts where you try to say, God, this is my part of my life. This is my part of my heart. These are my emotions. This is my struggle. God, you can have most of my life, but this corner is mine. No, the Bible says that God searches every bit of it. He is working and looking, and He already knows it, but it's the the imagery here of finding something that's hidden. And that's really important tonight. Because while we will not admit it tonight publicly... All of us have got something that just drives us crazy about someone else. All of us have got something somewhere that we just still hold on to. But I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind. Even to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doings. And one more verse tonight, First Samuel chapter 16, on this point. You got a short sermon today, not tonight, if you were in the second service. 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7 says, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or at his physical statue, because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the, and you guessed it, the heart. Now, one, this should cause us a moment of great fear. And I mean fear not in the scared, trembling sense, but in the reverence and respect issue. Because God knows how broken we are. God knows how sinful we are. No matter how many new suits we buy. No no, how many how many times we are at church. God knows the heart. And tonight... Your heart is never going to be good enough for God to accept on its own. That's why we believe that Jesus Christ has to give you a new heart, a new nature at the new birth. That's why the Holy Spirit has to lead and guide and direct your every decision. Because tonight, friends, each and every one of us can slowly begin to allow sin to harden our hearts, to carterize the arteries per se, and to make us cold to the things of God. Third thing I want to show you tonight, we see their heart problem is serious. Jesus sees the heart problem. But in verse 3, their heart problem is addressed. You see, if I'm Jesus, I know these people's hearts. And I'm probably thinking at this point, it's another fight really worth it. And can we be honest tonight? I think all of us get to that season of our life whether it's in our marriage, whether it's in our personal walk with God, whether it's in our relationship with church, whether it's in our relationship at work, sometimes we ask ourselves, is it really all 
worth it? Is doing the right thing worth it when I know what the result is going to be? Is it really worth it to try to be a godly parent in a world that no longer honors godly parents? Is it worth it to be a person of integrity at work when truly our society rewards those who are crooked no matter the cost? Is it really worth it being being convicted, being dedicated to your church? Because really, what does it matter in the grand scheme of things to most people? See, I asked that question because Jesus could have just said, these people are wicked, they're heathens, I'm done with them. But He addresses their problem. Look what it says tonight in verse 19. Show me the tax money. So they brought him a denarius. And he said to them, Whose image and inscription is this? They said to him, Caesar's. And he said to them, Render therefore to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. When they heard these words, they marveled and left him and went their way. The Bible clearly teaches that there is government authority. You can read the book of Romans. The Bible clearly teaches there is authority in church. The Bible clearly teaches there's authority in the home. The Bible clearly teaches all of those things. And if you would like to read and study those, you can on your own time tonight or tomorrow. But what he's not teaching here is just this principle. He is trying to show them the truth and to use this principle to teach them that their trickery is not going to work on him. He is not going to be drugged into this fight that is not his to fight. You see, believer, you do not have to attend every fight you're invited to. You don't have to be drugged into every family drama that makes its way to your text message. Believer, you don't have to get involved in every disagreement that happens at church. Once in a while, we can all sit this one out and let someone else be drugged into it. You say, well, Jake, you just told us that Jesus was willing to address it. What he is saying here is there are some things worth fighting for, and some that are not. The problem is none of us can decide which is worth fighting for and not. We all have disagreements and different feelings on that. But the context of this verse and the verses before it and after it are not just about the government. It is about doing what is right and having the right heart and serving the government, not out of fear, but out of a love and obedience. It's why serving at church is not out of fear, but love and obedience. Why serving at home is not out of fear, but love and obedience. Why do you do what you do? And what is your heart like tonight? Psalms 44 verse 21 says it like this. Would not God search this out? For He knows the secrets of the heart. You see, He showed them their need. He taught them the truth. Why? Because the truth of God's Word always brings us to a place of decision. Jesus is once again giving them an opportunity to hear the truth and respond. And tonight, friends, my challenge for you is no matter how hard your, how hard your heart has grown, no matter how grumpy you have allowed yourself to become, no matter how bitter you have allowed yourself to be, God is still searching the heart. And He is still giving each and every one of us the truth to know how to respond. 
Acts 15 verse 8 says it like this. So God who knows the heart. You're like, Jake, that's a lot of verses on heart. It might be important if it's mentioned that many times. Acknowledge them by giving them the Holy Spirit. Just as He did to us. So even though God knows the heart, knows how wicked the heart is, He didn't just look at us and say, Man, Jacob Gray, you are a broken mess. You are hopeless. He gave us the Holy Spirit who convicts us of sin. You say, Jake, I'm not, I'm not convicted of my sin as a believer. Use a liar. Because why? The Bible says that the Holy Spirit has came into the world to convict us and to show us righteousness and truth. And so tonight, the Spirit of God has been given to us to take this broken and wicked and sinful heart that we have and to convict us of our need of a Savior and to convict us of who Jesus is and what He has done for us and what He has accomplished through the death, burial, and resurrection of Himself. And that conviction then draws us to Himself. We respond in faith. He gives us a new heart, a new nature. We have experienced the new birth. And when that happens, the very Spirit of God comes to live within you. You say, I don't want Him to. Get over it. You don't have a choice. And He will never leave you, the Bible says. He seals you until the day that you stand before God forever. But the Bible says that the Spirit of God begins to work and move in your life. That's why I believe the church has got to quit pandering to people who don't have the Spirit of God. If the Spirit of God is in you, and if the Spirit of God is in the people that God has sent here, the Word of God, prayer, preaching, teaching, singing the Word of God is going to stir something in you, friends. It's going to revive something in you. Why? Because the Word of God is hope and it's life because of who Jesus is. But tonight, if you are here and the Spirit of God is in you, the Bible says that you can grieve the Holy Spirit. As He begins to try to work in your life, you can say, well, well, well Jake, I, I, I know God is calling me to go on a mission trip, but I ain't going on no mission trip. Or, well, I know God wants me to, to serve and honor Him. Or, I know God wants me to lay down this sin that's in my life. And in that moment, you are grieving the Holy Spirit as He is gently nudging you and gently working in your life and, and bringing you to who He wants you to be, you begin to say, no. It's like going to a car repair shop and them telling you, your tire is going to fall off. Most of us are like, fix it. Whatever it takes, fix it. I don't want to be driving 70 down the high pod, uh, high pod, the highway and my vehicle become a tripod that spins me into someone else, right? I don't want that. I don't want to be going down the highway and there's a comedian that I shouldn't quote and I won't and the tire fall off. Literally fall off. You would say, Jake, that doesn't make any sense. You should have fixed it while you were there. And the Spirit of God is the same way. He will work through preaching. He will work through the Scriptures as you read them. He will work through the singing of His Word. And you have a choice to make as He is convicting you and dealing with you and working on you, friends. But you can refuse and grieve Him and harden your heart to a place that, friends, you will bring pain and heartache into your life. But it does not have to be that way. How many people are sitting on church pews tonight, church chairs tonight, 
and are bitter because of what happened in the 60s or the 70s. How many people are sitting on these chairs tonight who were raised in a home that didn't honor God and something happened to you and there is unforgiveness that has lasted since your childhood? Friends, every time the Spirit of God convicts you, every time the sermon is preached and you begin to say, no, Lord, no, your heart is being hardened. But tonight He has given us the Holy Spirit just like He had did given the Old Testament because He knows the heart and He knows what the heart needs. It never ceases to amaze me as I preach verse by verse, word by word, and people say, well, I don't want to sit in a church like that. Well, there are plenty that don't. Someone will show up that's never been here before. And they'll be like, how did you know what I was going through? And I'll be like, let me tell you a secret. I Facebook stalked you when you got here. No, I'm kidding. I don't. But the Spirit of God searched the heart. And He knew what you needed. You say, Jake, that doesn't count. I'm here all the time. The Spirit still works the same way. Because friends, if you read ahead you could refuse the Holy Spirit and harden your heart and skip. And I believe that happens quite a bit. So tonight my challenge to you is, do you have a heart problem? God knows your heart problem. But He has given you an answer for it. And it's forgiveness. It's the blood of Jesus that covers you and I. It's the Spirit of God that draws us and works in our hearts tonight. And change can happen. Real change. Real freedom. Real bondage can be broken if we'll let Him have His way tonight. In our church, in our marriages, and in our lives. Father, tonight I thank You for Your Word. Not my words, but Yours. Lord, tonight I pray that You'd give us wisdom. Each and every one of us as we respond to Your Word. God, and I pray that You would soften our hearts. God, I pray that You would search us, convict us, encourage us. Lord, whatever that needs to happen. God, I pray that You would lead us and guide us and direct us as we attempt to be the followers of Christ that You want us to be, the families and the church that You want us to be. Lord, tonight I pray in this room for those that are here that don't know You, Maybe they're members of a church. Maybe they've been baptized. But tonight, Lord, they know they're lost. They do not know you. Tonight, Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would do what only he can do. And to convict them, draw them, and bring them to a point of response. And God will give you all the praise and all the honor. And we ask it all in Jesus' precious name.